0: Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Lord Welcome again, friends, to this podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm reading this uh, today on the day after the awful Paris attacks, and so if this is still on your minds, I'm sure you'll join me not only in praying for uh, our brothers and sisters in Paris, but. Um, Also make note to do so three months from now, six months from now, a year from now. Often there's, understandably, an outpouring of prayers and support initially after a tragedy like this, but at times we uh, tend to get on with our lives, and that's when the pain really begins to be known. So I hope that you will remember to do that, not just in the next few days, but beyond as well. And I hope that, um, that you are fine too. We are in our church continuing this sermon series called uh, What's in Jesus' Wallet as we reflect on faith and finances, and today we are reading a passage from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, There are four books of the Bible uh, called Gospels, part of the first four books of the New Testament. These are stories about Jesus, the life of Jesus, and uh, this comes from the first one of those, and uh, again, this is 17 verses 24 through 27. When they reached Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, Yes, he does. And when he came home, Jesus spoke of it first, asking, What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tribute, from their children or from others? When Peter said, From others, Jesus said to him, Then the children are free. However, so that we do not give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook. Take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find a coin. Take that and give it to them for you and me. May God's blessing be on the reading of this word. So sometimes at our staff table, when we think about a sermon series, and then we begin to talk about, well, what texts are we going to use? And we threw out different options and different ideas. And someone mentioned this particular one that I just read, And this is one of those passages that is not always going to come right to the minds of even supposedly professional religious people like ourselves. And there'll be times, I must confess, where I don't really look it up right away. I trust my colleagues saying, okay, I trust, I don't know that text quite as well, but I'll trust that this is going to fit. And then this week when I really started reading it, I thought, what were we thinking? Because frankly, if you really think about it, sometimes our faith, sometimes the Bible is just weird. There's no other way to describe it. I think at times we get used to our faith, and so it makes sense to us, but when you really take a step back and you think about what we claim to believe and the parts of that belief to an average person, you know, that sounds a little weird what you're you're, uh, thinking and believing. And this text, too, seems just a little weird. There was a time... Uh, A few years ago, in a former church of mine, speaking about the weirdness of our faith, where uh, on Easter Sunday, a woman came with her two children, and they started coming repeatedly after Easter. And so I met with the mom, her name was Susan, and started talking to her about, how did you find out about our church? Well, prior to this Easter service, we sent out postcards. We did a a mass mailing to people in our community, letting them know about our church and letting them know about um, Easter coming up. And uh, this woman, Susan, had said that coming up to Easter, uh, her son was asking questions about faith. I think they, she would say that she believed in God. They weren't really active in their faith. And her son must have heard about Jesus coming back from the dead. And her son came up to her one day and said, so is it true that Jesus is a zombie? And she started thinking, I think I need to get my kid to a church. And that next day, the postcard that we mailed out came into their mail. And she took that as a sign. And so it was really wonderful to have them as part of our faith community. But, you know, we laugh about this boy and we may think, well, how silly for him to think that Jesus is a zombie. And yet when we really think about, for example, the Easter story, we say, well, no, actually, you can probably guess why he does that or why he believes that. And this story today, too, may seem to us a little odd. It may even seem like, well, it seems like Jesus is a magician here. But let's take a look at it and see what it says. But the problem, actually, the challenge for us is that scholars really disagree about what exactly this story means and what Jesus is talking about. So, when we are talking about this phrase temple tax, when collectors of the temple tax come to Peter and say, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? Here is where there is disagreement. Now, some scholars believe uh, the word here for this temple tax is a Greek word that means, or uh, that is uh, didrachma. And some scholars believe that this word, didrachma, is a tax for the temple from where uh, people of the Jewish faith would come and worship the main place of celebration and worship for this faith in Jerusalem. And so some scholars believe that this really meant that you had to pay a tax in order to keep the temple going. This was, uh, scholars believe, an annual religious tax imposed on male Jews over 19 for the support of its temple and its sacrifices. It wasn't universally accepted, but it came out to about two days wages for a day labor, so not a little amount. So scholars were talking, and if they take that um, view, that perspective of it, then they begin to interpret the rest of the passage as well. It's like, okay, what does Jesus mean when he says the children are free, and when he says we do not give offense to them, do we mean, well, let's just pay the temple tax to the religious authorities so that we are uh, not raising too many objections because we have other uh, things that we want to bring about. We will be raising enough objections as it is. This is not one of those battles we want to take on. So that's one way of looking at it. Another scholar that I read this week, a man named Warren Carter, said, no, the temple tax is really a tax going toward the romans the romans occupied jerusalem at this time and so a tax essentially would be like a tax that we pay and it's going to other things specifically carter dr carter says that this money was going to something called the temple of jupiter optimus maximus this was the most important temple in ancient rome it was located on an area of jerusalem called the capitoline hill it was surrounded by an area called the area capitolina which was a precinct where assemblies met and there were different shrines and altars and statues and victory trophies were displayed and this was the temple to the god jupiter and so very important so carter believes that money was going toward this temple as well and it can be frustrating because we might think to ourselves, well, what does Jesus actually mean here? Is it a temple that's going toward the upkeep of the temple, the religious temple? Is it money that's going toward the upkeep of a secular temple or a pagan temple? And so there's argument about that, trying to exactly figure out what does Jesus mean by that. Well, I think there's one thing, perhaps, that we can agree on, regardless of what perspective you take on this text, and that is there was probably frustration from people who did pay this temple tax that their money wasn't going to a place that gave them good value. They may have felt like this is just a waste for those who felt like this was a religious tax, and if they disagreed with some of the religious authorities, they felt like this money is being wasted. And for others, if this was a tax that was going to a pagan temple, they also thought my money is being wasted. This is unfair. So there was probably frustration that my money is disappearing. We were talking about Jesus as a magician earlier, like he can make a coin appear in the mouth of a fish. And others who had to pay this tax may feel like this is also magic in that I'm giving my money and it just poof, it disappears and I'm not getting out of it, anything out of it. Well, we are also... However, we believe the same thing in our day and time today, and that is, if we give money to something, we want to believe that we are getting value. And that means whether you are going to target and you're buying something and you want something in return that is going to be of value to you, whatever it is. And also, when you give to something else, and you may not get a material good, but if you are giving to a charity, if you're giving, so maybe if you're giving taxes, you want to feel like this is going to schools and roads and other things, and in Illinois, it's sometimes very hard to believe that, but we want to feel like we're getting good value, that it's being used for a good purpose. My dad is in town this week uh, visiting, and he visited uh, actually a month or two ago as well, and they drove in, they live in Des Moines, the Des Moines area. And they were visiting and so we live in an area of chicago where you need a permit in order to park there all night Uh, and so i gave him a day permit we have these permits you can put them in your window you fill in the date and the time and there it is and we did that diligently every single day but the day that uh that my dad and and stepmother were leaving they came out and there was that wonderful orange envelope that we sometimes see here in the city of parking ticket. And it didn't really explain why the ticket was there. So I encouraged my dad to to fight it, to uh, say right back and say, I can test this ticket. And uh, so he sent it away. And then it came back, essentially the city saying, mm, i sorry, somebody take a look at this. And no, you do have to pay it. And when my dad at first wrote me this email about it, he said, well, I'm just going to hope that it's going to something that is doing good. And I admired uh, my dad's hopefulness for that. Uh, for those of us who live in the city sometimes and we wonder uh, about where our tax dollars are going, we may not have the same kind of viewpoint, but my dad was wanting to say, I hope it, it stinks that I have to pay this ticket, but I want it, hopefully, it's going to maybe uh, something that is going to a school, for example, that is underserved, or uh, it is going to some sort of a program that is housing the homeless or something like that. So we want to say something, or we want to see that our money is being used that has impact, that has value. And we are in this season two where we are talking to individuals about uh, what they are giving and to the church, and where is my money going, and does it have the kind of impact perhaps that we want it to have? Do we want to have the impact that uh, the gospel that we proclaim has, or that it should have? And it's a great question. We're asking you to work toward tithing. We're asking you to give up to 10% of your salary and move toward that. And we owe it to those who are doing so to say, well, where is my money going? Is it just disappearing? Uh, Is it having an impact at all? Uh, Are others being moved by the love of Christ, by the money uh, that I am giving to you, either via check or online or whatever? And again, these are all really good questions. And I'd like to share with you a couple of stories that let you know that, no, your money is not just poof, it's not magic, uh, that it is having an impact. So one of the things that we are doing at Urban Village this year is really having an impact or really doing a lot of reflecting on what can we as a community do for those who struggle with mental illness, uh, for those who want greater mental health, and uh, there's been a really great group of people who are tireless in their advocacy and wanting to see what can Urban Village do in order to have an impact. And as I was going through some old emails the other day, I came across one that was written to me two years ago that reminded me of the importance of this ministry, and it was written to me by a woman out of nowhere. And I want to read part of this email to you, Uh, and just to forewarn you as well, this uh, can be heart-wrenching. It it speaks of suicide in this email, and so for those uh, who may have been impacted by suicide, just to let you know ahead of time that this is what the email is about. But the email says, hello, my name is, and she gives her name, her first name is Anne, and she says, most of my family live in Louisville. One of my $4, Sally, lived in Chicago. She visited your church last week and was so excited that you had addiction groups. You see, my beautiful daughter, Sally, had been addicted since a teenager, and on Tuesday, October 28th, after we had just been talking about plans for her to come here for Christmas, she committed suicide. My family is strongly rooted in the knowledge, without a doubt, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, our hope and friend, Redeemer, Protector, and Solace. Sally had been struggling with this for many reasons, but the note that she left me at the foot of where she committed this act said simply, Mom, I am with God. She knew I needed to hear that in order to get through those p- these pitch black days. I wanted to tell you your church had an impact on her. She asked me to look up your website, and I was reading it about the time she did what she did. If being at your church, even if only once, gave her closure to accept our awesome Father, I am so grateful to you. Thank you for being there for my girl in her dark last days, even though you never knew it. When I read this, I was just overcome by so many different emotions. Unbelievable remorse and sadness for this woman, for her daughter, Sally. Always that feeling like, could we have done something when she visited? Could we have known? Could we have somehow figured out? And of course we couldn't. But also I was... There was a part of me that was glad that we were being able to, that we were there in that moment. Even though this was a dark day for Sally and certainly dark days, I'm sure still dark days for her mother, that we were able to be there, that our community was able to be there for her. And at times when we think about when I give money to the church, does it just disappear? Is it going to something that has any impact at all? Or is this just a waste? Friends, I hope you know that whenever you give money to, hopefully, your own community of faith or to Urban Village, that indeed it has such a big impact on somebody. We are able to provide spaces for individuals uh, like Sally who are struggling. And even when it ends in tragedy like this, it can provide, hopefully, some maybe for her, some semblance that she was not alone in the world. And that the fact that a church could be there for her family, that that could have been also a sense of of being at peace knowing that Sally had a community faith that she attended before she took her own life. The money that you give does not just disappear. It has an impact like that. I'm going to tell you one more story. And this happened at our Andersonville site at Urban Village there was uh, when we talk about being inclusive at Urban Village, it's one of our core values, and be, we mean being inclusive in many different ways. And certainly, it means that we are inclusive and welcoming uh, lesbians, bisexual, gender, and transgender individuals. And there was an individual whose name is Oliver who was going to Andersonville, and our site pastor in Andersonville, uh, Brittany, was meeting with Oliver and discovered that uh, Oliver told Brittany uh, his story. And Brittany discovered that Oliver uh, is transgender from female to male. And as Brittany was talking to Oliver, she made a suggestion. She said, well, what if we give you or have a naming ceremony for you? Oliver had been baptized as an infant. And so uh, Brittany suggested that why don't we remember your baptism and in a way symbolize your new name, that Oliver is your new name. And so Mm -hmm. Oliver agreed to that. It's a really lovely ceremony and somebody recorded it, and Oliver then took that and put it on the website Reddit. I don't know if you're familiar with Reddit, but it is uh, an online place for people to go and have uh, online discussions about lots of different things. Uh, and so in the page, the Reddit page that specifically was for transgender female to male individuals, Oliver put this video up there uh, on this uh, in this room, in this essentially this chat room. And it was amazing to see the responses that people had, that Oliver put this ceremony up there and said, this is my church. And he was bold in saying, this is my faith. And the responses that people were writing were just so heartwarming. Someone wrote, this is so beautiful. I was raised Catholic and I miss being religious, spiritual. Monday, maybe one day I will find a church as accepting and welcoming as yours. Another one said, "I just did my testosterone shot and came on here to read some thoughts from my bros, but now I'm crying. Ha ha! I don't really cry since I started T, but dude, that was amazing. I was raised in a church and so crazy touched by your ceremony." Another one wrote, "I am no longer spiritual or religious, but I've been looking forward to seeing this. Too many times I see faith practiced in an intolerant and unloving way, and today I got to see a spiritual leader." Leading a room full of believers and embracing your differences in a way that shows love, acceptance, and normalcy. It is really easy for us to think about when we write a check or do online giving to a church like Urban Village and to think, this is, like, is this going anywhere? Is this having any impact whatsoever? And I sometimes wonder that too because we don't necessarily get anything tangible from it. It's not like buying something or, you know, sometimes if you give money to a charity and sometimes charities can have these really amazing, powerful videos that they can show you. And the only video I could have shown you was somebody taking their iPhone out and it's hard to hear, but it was a powerful moment too. Your money just doesn't disappear. It doesn't go to the upkeep of an institution that's just hanging on for dear life. It doesn't go to any kind of corrupt um, municipality and being wasted your money goes to a place that provides community whether it's for a woman who is in so dark of a place that she feels like she that her life must end and it goes toward someone who is making a huge transition in his life and he needs to know that there is a God loving community that will welcome him As this new person, your money goes to that. And that is the impact of Christ that we want to have on the city. And it's why we are asking people to give so we can continue to do that. It's why we are a church that continues to plant new faith communities so that we can be in more neighborhoods so that we can provide more places for this, for this city in Chicago where there are millions who live and so many too who are lonely and struggling and wondering if anyone is there for me. This is why we ask you to give. And so as you reflect on it, again, whether you go to Urban Village or your own community of faith, or if you don't have a community of faith somewhere else, certainly you can make a financial contribution to us. And I don't want to promise you anything. I'm not going to send you a little prayer towel. I'm not going to promise you that you're, when you give something, it will come back to you twofold. I'm not going to promise any of that. What I can promise you is that those who work for Urban Village and are devoted lay leaders constantly, every single day, wake up and say, what can we do to make sure that we are a place for people like Sally, a place for people like Oliver, and that you can also feel like when you uh, are a part of this community of faith, that you do that as well. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I hope that um, peace of Christ is yours right now. If you are feeling alone or distressed or anxious, whether what's going on in the world or in your own life, you can always reach out to me, chris at urbanvillechurch.org, Twitter at Christian Kuhn. And if you are feeling any of these things, please don't hesitate to reach out as I am happy to um, connect with you. So until next week, friends, may the peace of Christ be yours. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I am